Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan Lavoie, and I've got Tom Peavy and Brent Daughtry with me here on the show today. A lot to talk about after another weekend in the sports world. Got to talk things over after what happened in Rupp Arena on Saturday. Got to update you on all the different sports with Auburn University this weekend. A lot of wins despite the loss uh, for the Auburn men's basketball team. Also got to talk a little bit of spring ball as uh, spring practice starts today for Coach Hugh Freeze and Auburn football. Also we'll have Kevin Ives on at 4 o'clock at AUPPL on Twitter. He will talk about this Auburn baseball team. Uh, Also, spring training has opened up for the Braves and for everyone else in Major League Baseball. So a lot of things to hit on today in the wide world of sports. Again, Ryan, Brant, and Tom with you here today. Brant, we will start with you. How are you doing, sir? I'm all right. Uh, I guess we'll get started with the the worst of of the weekend, even though we're not to that segment yet. Uh, Yeah, just an ugly basketball game for uh, the first 15 minutes you hung in there. But after that, Kentucky went on a run and Auburn just never got close again. Just... It got beat in every facet of that game. Kentucky has better players. They were in a better positions uh, uh, during that game, and it was just a just a tough game all around. And uh, you know Auburn's going to have to play a lot better than that if they want to you know keep playing. Honestly, uh, I'm I'm still firmly in the camp that uh, their their NCAA tournament hopes are very much alive. I think uh, as of today, they are still in the field. They are still in the field of 64. Um, it's kind of funny. Their net rankings. We talk about net rankings a lot on this show. The net rankings dropped three spots uh, after that loss to Kentucky, which is the same amount you dropped after you beat Ole Miss by four. So, heading in the wrong direction, but not free falling in the way that that maybe some people were afraid of. Uh, so you're you're still very much in it. Uh, getting one of these last two uh, against Bama and Tennessee. You're almost 99% sure, but even as it stands now, even if you lose those two, I still think Auburn is in. Um, it, it's it's a matter of seeding and how comfortably do you want to be in. So uh, could definitely be better on the basketball front, but the sky is not falling, uh, at least not yet. Now uh, we'll see how I feel after Wednesday, but uh, you know it, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. You've lost in Rupp Arena for the last 30 years, so I mean. Not good things, not, though. Not, not not good <laughs> things. Not good things. Uh, I don't know. It, it, there, we're we're going to get a lot of calls today, I'm sure, about how the sky is falling, and, and it's it's not yet, I don't think. I, I, I think this is a perfectly fine team. They're not great, but they're fine, and uh, I still think they'll make the tournament. Tom Peavy, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, uh, got to do some bass fishing Sunday. Caught a big old bass that uh, I posted on my social media stuff. So anybody out there that saw me on Facebook, that was my fish. 
<laughs> I have not gotten on Facebook, but but nice. I'm just going to go ahead and congratulate you on the catch then. Thank you. It was quite the large bass that I caught. There you go. So enjoyed that. Uh, definitely did not enjoy Auburn basketball. Yeah, I agree. Sky's not falling, but, I mean, this team has got issues, and it's issues that this team has had all year long. Uh, it's issues that we have discussed on this show ad nauseum all year long, and it's issues that reared their head early in the season that we saw even when they were winning games. There were things about this team that we saw that just were not good, and, and they've really kind of manifested themselves here down the stretch, uh, which we all knew was going to be a tough stretch. They, I mean, there was no arguing that, uh, but they still have a lot to play for. Yeah, their tournament uh, hopes are still alive. They're not as alive as they were a couple of weeks ago, but they're still kind of hanging on by a thread right now. So uh, work to be done there. But uh, happy with baseball. Uh, big series win over Southern Cal uh, with a, an amazing atmosphere at uh, Plainsman Park. And then a weird one on Sunday where they end up in a tie um, due to travel constraints. So the unusual baseball tie. Uh, gymnastics, nice rebound. Uh, for them after a tough meet against Missouri and they rebound by beating Georgia and uh, softball on an absolute tear right now. So, yeah, the um, and the women's basketball with a big win. So uh, a lot more positive around Auburn athletics right now than the negative. Of course, everybody's kind of focusing on the basketball because it does feel disappointing the way things are going with them right now. But, yeah, a lot of good stuff going on around Auburn at the moment. Yeah, I believe, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, I don't want to speak uh, without knowing the exact result of some of the tennis stuff, but I yeah. I think it was the only loss that Auburn had this weekend, at least of the sports that you just talked about, was that men's basketball team because you had the tie, but then you had two wins for Auburn baseball, you had five wins for Auburn softball, you had the Auburn women's basketball win, you had the Auburn gymnastics win Friday night. So, again, I'd have to check the, the tennis and stuff to make sure, but, uh, you know, you go down the line, there are a lot of victories, but – of course, we're leading off the show with the one loss yeah. because that is the sport that gets more eyeballs, and that was uh, a rout in Rupp on oh, a Saturday afternoon. Uh, the turning point in that game was clearly the last two or three minutes of the first half. Auburn had hung in there. They had had the proper energy and effort in the first 16, 18 minutes of that game. They had had the lead a couple of brief moments. They were down, I want to say, two or three points with, with at the under four-minute media timeout. And then Kentucky goes on this like 8 or 9-0 run going in the half, and the game was never the same after that. I think Kentucky started 5 of 6 from 3. They shot 63%, I think, from 3 overall for the game. They shot just very well. Now, look, this team, obviously anyone that shoots over 50% in a game from three shot above their heads, but we did know that Kentucky was one of the better three-point teams uh, in the country percentagely. I think they were top 50 coming in. Uh, they don't take a lot of them. Uh, the CBS was showing a graphic that Kentucky was like maybe 43rd, 47th, again, rough rough memory here but top 50 and three point percentage but they only shot like the 250th most threes in the country so what that means is they usually take really good threes and they did that again to auburn at the end of the first half beginning of the second half and auburn had no response from there i mean obviously when you lose a game by 30 points uh and it was almost i think it was around 40 at one point even uh everything was bad yeah. uh, about that performance but um what I what I was really alarmed with, I guess, overall, is that 
once it started to go bad, there was no fight. Oh, they, well, they fought back here, and then just Kentucky's buried them again. No, it was pretty much on a, on a linear line of defeat after that 8 or 9 0 run to end the first half. Auburn never recovered from that. Um, this is the first time where Auburn really got it handed to him. I know to a degree they did against A&M at home uh, in Neville Arena for Not that like first that. loss, but it was still like 18. Like there was still – you were still one sequence away from that being a game until the last two or three minutes. Here, I mean, you were, you were just counting down the minutes from the last 10 minutes of the second half on, just when are we going to get out of here? Uh, that was the most alarming thing in my eyes, just the, the – no. You, you could have told me any loss from, from 1 to 15, and I would have completely understood at Rupp Arena. Uh, but doubling that, losing, could have lost by 40, uh, that, that's as poorly as you can do it. Yeah, well, and non-competitiveness down down the stretch, I think, is the best way to to say that. And, and that's what is so frustrating and, and alarming. Uh, frustrating, alarming, um Head scratching. I mean, all the things because we're not used to seeing any Bruce Pearl teams just be uncompetitive. I mean, that there's one thing you say even in losses, those teams that Bruce Pearl coaches fight their butt off. But yeah, that one felt like once it got away, nobody wanted to play anymore, and it just it just kept growing and growing and growing, and just was not competitive. Uh, and, and Bruce Pearl, I think, realized that that's what happened. That's why he apologized to the Auburn fan base. Um, one of those rare times that Bruce Pearl, you know, felt like that he needed to apologize for the way one of his teams played, but I mean, he did. He apologized for that, and uh, you know, I yeah, with his team, like I said, it it's been a lot of issues uh, all season long. We've talked about the just the absolute lack of guard play uh, just keeps rearing its head over and over again. So the the guard play has been rough. Janai Broom has had some great games and some off games, so there's some inconsistencies there. Uh, when you combine him with a bad game, with bad guard play, that just manifests itself into just terribleness. So I, I, I really look for Auburn to you know get through this season. They got Alabama Wednesday. Let's face it, that's probably going to be another ugly one. If I had to, if I was a betting man, and ugly because Alabama is just that good this year. Second of all, I think Alabama is going to be on a mission Wednesday because, A, they can clinch the title. They can clinch the SEC regular season title with a win over their arch rival. And then on top of that, the whole Brandon Miller saga, uh, the Brandon Miller saga and, and all the controversy, it, it, it's, not, it's not right to do so, but many, many Auburn fans – or many, I'm sorry, many, many Alabama fans – uh, blame and accuse Auburn fans and Tennessee fans and some other SEC teams of being the ones that have kind of pushed this whole Brandon Miller agenda and instead of looking at the whole big picture in the national media and all that they kind of blame Auburn and so they're going to be jacked up to put a hurting on Auburn not just but you know yes it, it's Alabama versus Auburn so you want to embarrass your your opponent uh, and you embarrass their fan base but it feels like they're going to be on a mission to not only win the title but also to stick it to these people that have bad mouthed Brandon Miller and all. So I expect that one to be ugly. Fortunately, you do get Tennessee here, and it's a Tennessee team that I think Auburn can still beat, uh, especially here at Neville Arena. So there's still a win out there. Um, and then you get to the SEC tournament, and you'll see. So um, 
it, it, it's a tough road. I think Joe Lenardi had Auburn. The last I saw was like an 11 seed. They're they're into the last four buys. Last four so buys. They would get a, they would get a. Obviously, everyone gets a seed, but right. they would not have to play in the first and four, but just barely. In. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're clinging to it. Now, now you lose to Alabama, you lose, lose to Alabama, lose to Tennessee, and let's say you lose the first round of the SEC tournament, you're probably not making the tournament. You're NIT bound. Uh, if they can get a win against Tennessee, we'll see how things shake out for the SEC tournament. You you would imagine you'd get somebody that is a winnable game. Um, but you really need to get one of these last two. And like I said, I I don't see that happening in Tuscaloosa. I think there's just too many things that go in favor of Alabama on that one. Uh, but you need to get one of these last two. And I think if you do that, you most assuredly secure your yourself a spot. I think even with a, if you lose the Bama, beat Tennessee, I think even if you lose that first round game in the turn, SEC tournament, I think you still get in barely. Right. You might but, be first four depending on how the right. bubble shakes but, out. But you but can't. But you can't lose. Very out. close margin. Yeah, yeah. You absolutely cannot lose out from here because I mean, it, like I said, it's it's hanging on by a thread at the moment, and so you've got to pick up a win somewhere uh, between these last two and in the SEC tournament. Yeah, I, I mean. You, it's bad, and I'm. I, I think we're all in pretty much an agreement that Wednesday might get ugly, and it might get ugly in a hurry, and it might just be a not very fun hour or so. Um, but yeah, I think the Tennessee game is very winnable because I mean, you, what was the final score? It was like forty nine to forty six. Yeah, forty six, forty three. Yeah, it was three yeah. point game. Yeah, three, three point, yeah. three point 40s, game. Yeah. Window shooting a three and gets fouled. Yeah, they don't call. Yeah, so you're hoping that at home you get that to swing your way a little bit. Now, there's no guarantee that it will, but that's kind of what you're hoping for. Um, if you can win that Tennessee game, you're pretty much locked in. And then, obviously, like you said, the the SEC tournament, which do, do conference tournaments actually matter? That's up for debate. Um, I, I, I don't it, – it, we'll see. Uh, again, it, if you want to secure your place, you beat Tennessee on Saturday. That's, that's, that's your biggest goal right now. Right, and – you know we're going to start to get into these conference tournaments this week, where some of the smaller conferences like the WCC and, and the MAC and you know all, all those conferences start to to go a week early here. Um, but that is something that I would have a little bit more of a stronger opinion on and, and a quizzical um, thought from the committee because we've seen in years years past that the conference tournaments as it pertains to at-large selections and teams that are hot and cold, they don't really care that much from from historical the last few years. Yeah. Now, that can change on a whim. Each committee can be different. you know. The, the, but the, the recent rule of thumb has been that they have not valued what you've done that much, which I will always argue does not make sense. And this is one of my stronger plant-my-flag deals because what would you want – to on a resume more than a neutral site contest right before the ultimate neutral site tournament against teams that maybe you played on the road and lost, maybe you played at home and won, figure it out on a neutral site. And then also I still think, and you don't want to have too much recency bias, but I still take some stock in how teams are playing at the end of the season because teams, by the way, can get better or worse throughout a season. Like like last year's Auburn team, unfortunately, it did the very minimum did not improve as it went throughout the season. It peaked at the beginning of conference play, and then once they lost, they started to leak and leak and leak, and they 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 at least stopped improving from early SEC play on. 
by the way, I think that's happening with this Auburn team too. But when teams win four or five or six in a row at the end of the season, to me that tells me that they got better or that they had some issue early that they corrected. And I can so I, I prefer to lean that way. Uh, but especially when it pertains to conference tournaments, you have an opportunity to have a tournament on a neutral site at the end of the year. I'm not I'm not making I don't think you have to value it more, but I think it should certainly be on at least equal footing to all the other games. Uh, but but anyway, I, you can't rely on that. Uh, because it has been inconsistent, and if not sided towards, it's not mattering that much to teams. It's very hard to figure out what's actually going to be the, the sequence of events for Auburn in the SEC tournament. I mean, the, the standings are still incredibly logjam with two games to go. They're so logjam, I'm not going to tell you who everyone's playing uh, this week because uh, we're going we're gonna to wait till Thursday or Friday when there's one game left because two games is a bit overwhelming at the moment. But the current standings... Alabama is going to at least get a share of the SEC title. Already clinched that because A&M's lost at Mississippi State. So they're they're 15-1, A&M 13-3. Kentucky 11-5. Auburn can't pass them at this point because of the loss to Kentucky. So the four seed is Tennessee right now. They are 10-6. The five seed, uh, five, they're 5-6-7. Five, I, I don't know exactly the tiebreakers, but 5-6-7 is Missouri, Auburn, and Vandy. They are up 9-7. and seven. Auburn's beaten Missouri. They've lost to Vandy. Good luck with how all that shakes out. I don't know. Uh, so that's 5, 6, and 7. The 8 seed right now would be Arkansas at 8-8. Eight and eight. And then at 9-10 and 10 would be Florida and Mississippi State at 7-9. and nine. I don't think since Auburn beat both those teams they could fall that low. But I think they could fall to 8 possibly if they lose both. Arkansas wins both. They could also still get 4th. So there, there's a lot of possibilities there. And then from there, you start to think about who they actually end up playing in the conference tournament if they can get that win or two. If they're in the 8-9 game, well, I know who they're going to play in the second game, and that's not going to be fun. <laughs> so th- that that will be kind of the situation that we'll have to look at a little bit more closely uh, as we get through the midweek games and have only one game remaining. Then we can start to have that meme of the guy that's got all the wires going everywhere on the board and start to figure out the the actual uh, pairings of, of what would need to happen. So uh, with that in mind, let's take our first commercial break of the show today. When we come back, James from Montgomery will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, and Tom Peavy. 
Talking all things Auburn today, start of spring practice. I have more on that in a little while. Just recapped a little bit of the Auburn and Kentucky game on Saturday. And uh, going to have a breakdown of the bubble all week long. Just nervously waiting the next, what, 13 days or so. Unless Auburn can get another big win at some point here in the final week. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today and for the week. 334-887-3401. Locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today... James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about the um, Auburn tournament, that Auburn is actually going to be, uh, well, trying to play in a tournament. So, I mean, with March Madness right around the corner, I'm pretty sure that Auburn would make it to the tournament. But I just don't see who we're going to play on that tournament bubble as well. Yeah, I think that's the question everyone is uh, is trying to figure out here, James, is if Auburn can make the tournament, are they going to play in the first four and have to play a day or two early? Are they going to be able to fully-fledged be in the tournament? Or do they lose out and miss the tournament altogether? It's going to be one of those nerve-wracking things. Yeah, because, I mean, with Bruce Pearl, I mean, he's, we've, we've actually been to the March Madness uh, last few years back. But I think this year uh, – for this coming up March Madness, I think Auburn might make a chance at winning the first four in and taking the first four out that's going to actually be in the tournament bubble as well. Yeah, they could end up playing in that first four in, in Dayton, Ohio, either Tuesday or Wednesday and uh, end up winning that game. And then they would usually be like an 11 or a 12 seed, so they'd have a top 25 caliber team uh, for their official round of 64. Yes, I saw, and then I noticed that y'all were talking about um, with um, Brandon, uh, you know, the the basketball player for Alabama. I mean, it it really, I mean, it's not our fault that that happened to um, a great player in Alabama for, you know, to actually, you know, for the University of Alabama to, like, you know, point fingers at us because Auburn fans didn't do anything of, any anything of that nature to actually have that happen to the Auburn uh, fan base as well. So I don't know. I mean, I, I know that I've been hearing a lot of um, comment, mean comments of saying, oh, Auburn University's in this. They're saying this, this, this. The fan base is, you know, pointing fingers. But why would Alabama, why would the University of Alabama point fingers at the University of Auburn? We, I mean, that's been a lot of, you know, flame to the fire for us as Auburn. Yeah, so no, I think that just, you know, some fans uh, get a little crazy on Twitter from time to time. Um, and I think definitely the criticism of, of Brandon Miller and Nate Oates is very warranted, and it is not a SEC-exclusive uh, criticism. That is going on nationwide. I've heard just about every single sports talk show. I've seen Sports Center talk about it. College Game Day, all these shows. It's even popped up, I think, on like uh, some some news stations too, like CNN or something. It so, got, if you yeah. went over to Britain, um, so, there yeah. were, like seriously, there were there was a news agency from Britain that was talking about it. So, so it got worldwide. Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, because I mean, with all these different um, news stations and these news, um, you know, people that are you know talking about the news. One, I mean, for me as a person of sports, 
I can actually, you know, list it out like for one, for so many people that are in the news, half of the time they're just reporters. They don't understand what has been the motive here. Nobody doesn't understand what this young man has done. And now I was just like, you know, reading a lot of different things from uh, Alabama, you know, I was just reading on uh, on Auburn, uh, on the Alabama uh, newspaper about it, and it's just, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I just don't know what's going to happen to Brandon Miller. I don't know if he's going to be charged with anything or what the motive is going to be. Yeah, at this point, I definitely don't think he's going to end up getting charged with anything. The suspension part of it was was something that more people were pursuing, but uh, if Alabama's not done it by now, I I don't think it's going to happen. So I I think that they're going to uh, just move on and and act like nothing was punishable there. But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely continue to follow the situation. Yeah, because, I mean, with with the uh, head coach at Alabama, he was saying – in his press conferences, like last couple of weeks, he was saying wrong place, wrong time. And when I heard that comment, how can it be the wrong place at the wrong time? I mean, this, this is something new to me because I've I've been hearing a lot of people. You know, I, I guess he didn't. I guess Brandon Miller didn't have the opportunity to think in his mind while I'm while I'm doing this. I have, you know, a, a great career going for me and at a great institution like Alabama. I shouldn't be involved into anything wrong, you know. And then for that, I mean, it it should be, you know, he should have took in his mind, he should have thought in his mind, you know, I'm doing this wrong. You know, this is not, this is not the way that I should be, you know, acting. Yeah, obviously uh, was not thinking in that moment. So, James, what else do you have on your mind today? Well, I actually look on Twitter, and I actually see that they have an empty spot on the uh, statue row, and I would like for uh, that statue to actually be uh, coming up. Because uh, I know Auburn, I know we have eight, um, eight statues of uh, great men that played in um, different sports, and I think the one that we that the empty spot that we should put in there. I had some really. Um, I was thinking about this comment, and I was thinking about like some great female athletes and female coaches that you know that you know female athletes that uh, past female athletes that played at Auburn or former uh, Auburn women basketball head coaches. And I'd probably say um, the first female uh, basketball head coach would be uh, no other than Terry Williams, Illinois. You know, from from Georgia, from Georgetown University. She was a coach at Auburn. She, uh, you know, she's a great uh, friend of mine. I've been uh, a great friend of hers for so many many years since she's been on the plains, and she's done a really great job for the women's basketball program over the years and I think that would be a really good uh decision right there. And then for some of the female athletes, uh current female athletes that used to play at Auburn, uh one would actually be Ruthie Bolt. You know, she's one of those players that you know, that that can really shed light to the young ladies in the game 
at Auburn this year, and I think Ruthie Bolt would be another uh, candidate to actually have her statue out there as well. And uh, no other than Sunisa uh, uh, Lee, you know, of the Auburn women's gymnastics team as well. I'll probably see her statue go up in that in that spot as well because she's a, a U.S. gymnast and she's done so much with, uh, you know, Jim Grable's uh, winning team as well. And she's an amazing, amazing gymnast to watch as well. And I wish her all the best in, in Paris, France this coming up year. Some interesting picks there for sure. Uh, I, I think that uh, one day, SUNY, she's going to have to be a little bit removed from Auburn, but I think that that, that certainly could happen. Ruthie Bolton certainly could uh, as well. That's um, most likely. Yeah, Whenever they build a, a female uh, athlete statue, it's probably going to be Ruthie Bolton. Yeah, because, I mean, when they did the uh, 30 for 30 on Ruthie, on Ruthie Bolton's story, I mean, it was – like I was like right there with her and listening to her story and I could relate to what she's been through in her marriage, how uh her her husband actually you know, she came um, you know, she came home one night and her parents were like, What's going on? and she was telling her mom that um, you know, she's been through um, you know, a a a, a heated argument with her husband and She's been, you know, really getting getting like the the short end of the stick on her life, and and she has changed her life, you know, around because she always puts God first in everything that she's done at Auburn, and and she's a really uh, she's a really an amazing woman. I, I can give her that as well. What else do you have on your mind, James? Well, with uh, the scouting combine coming up uh, this coming up week. For the month of March, I'm actually going to be looking at some new um, candidates for the um, football season and uh, seeing who's uh, going to take day one of the scouting combine and uh, seeing some Auburn uh, players and seeing some Alabama players and uh, looking at other universities as well. Maybe I might see a little bit of uh, Alabama State in the mix as well. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see everyone at the uh, NFL Combine. Of course, that coming up in just a few weeks, and uh, they, they're going to have a another draft here in just a couple months, and we're going to definitely be looking forward to, to seeing what happens with the NFL draft and if some teams make big trades or if they uh, continue on and, and how many quarterbacks are going to get taken as well. Yes, as well, and then I saw Carson Wentz actually got – uh, breaking news that Carson Wentz went to the Washington Commanders, so I'm just going to see um, how that's going to work out and uh, for the Washington Commanders this year because I know he was a former uh, Philadelphia Eagle, so I think uh, Carson Wentz might make his uh, Washington Commanders debut sometime real soon. So Carson Wentz actually uh, was already on the Commanders this year and, and started for them for – several games and then got injured and was ineffective and he actually got released by the commanders today so he's a free agent he can sign with whoever uh, might still want him yeah so i mean if carson wentz is a free agent i'm thinking that i will probably see carson wentz as a dallas cowboy but i'm not quite sure on uh on the contract um for Dak prescott so if Dak Prescott doesn't want to be a Cowboy no more. I mean, Jerry Jones, he has the money. 
to pick up uh, Carson Wentz. So I think Carson Wentz might be a cowboy with um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Parsons, and we might make a Super Bowl uh, run this year as well. We will see. Any final thoughts for us, James, before we got to let you go? Um, I don't have any final thoughts, but maybe tomorrow I'll probably have some uh, scouting combine trivia for tomorrow as well. Okay, we'll try and uh, get that ready to go for you. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's stay on the Auburn Bank phone line again, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt joins us. Matt, good to have you back. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you guys doing? Hey, buddy. How are you? So, Brent, so what are you guys up to? Oh, man. Just uh, working all the time and went fishing this weekend. Caught a big bass. Oh, cool. So, so who, who else is there? You and Cam and... Tom? Well, that is, yeah, this is Tom that was talking to you. Yeah, it's uh, Ryan, Brent, and Tom with you. I said, what's up, Ryan? What's up, man? Doing well. How about you? I'm fine. Hey, I got a couple of questions. Um, I was reading on... on uh, well, first I want to talk about the game against Kentucky. I knew we were going to get blown out. Okay. And, but do you, do you guys see Auburn still making the NCAA tournament and still the SEC tournament? Yeah, so they're guaranteed a spot in the SEC tournament, and they're going to be somewhere between the fourth and eighth seed. It'll just depend on what happens uh, this week. But they're, everyone makes the SEC tournament. As far as the NCAA tournament, you know that is the million dollar question right now. I mean, they are one of the last teams in the tournament right now. Right now, they're classified as last four buys according to Joe Lenardi, which means they don't have to play in the the first four, and they can go ahead into the round of sixty four. But obviously, when it's that close. Uh, they need to do something else to better their resume here in the final week or so of the season. They can beat Tennessee on Saturday. I think they'll be fine, but they do need to find one more win to be safe. Well, yeah, I was going to talk about the Tennessee game. Do, do you, like, well, first, I was saying on my computer that they're saying that Bruce Pearl is on the hot seat. Yeah, that- we would not ag- we would not agree with that. I don't know. I don't. Oh, know yeah, I haven't seen anybody that. saying that. Okay, and like, um, then do you guys think they will probably can beat Alabama uh, Wednesday? And then um, how are we going to stop that number 33 for Tennessee? Because last time you played Tennessee, number 33, he didn't play very nice. He threw KD down, he threw Green down, and he was complaining about Broom. So how do you guys think, do you think we can beat Alabama Wednesday and then how can we stop them 33 for Tennessee? And what do you guys think about Brendan Miller still playing for Alabama? I think he should be arrested or kicked off the team. Yeah, so we'll we'll start with the Alabama part of it, Matt. Uh, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for Auburn to be able to go in to, to beat Alabama. Obviously, Auburn had an opportunity to beat them in Neville Arena and came up just a little short. I think Alabama is going to be incredibly motivated, and they're also catching Auburn at a time where Auburn's coming off its worst game of the season. So, and, and Alabama can clinch the regular season SEC championship. So, I think there's a lot of reasons to favor Alabama against Auburn. As far as Brandon Miller, uh, yeah, it's that's a rough look that there's been absolutely no repercussions whatsoever 
uh, for his involvement there, and then also for Nate Oates taking the, the, the situation very unseriously. So uh, the, I, I don't think ultimately anything is going to happen there. I do think there should have been some sus- suspensions, uh, but unfortunately Alabama has not gone that route. And then uh, for the Tennessee part of it, Matt, uh, I think with uh, – so you're talking about uh, Euros uh, Plavisic, uh, that big uh, big guy that, that got a technical foul in the first game and uh, definitely kind of a uh, rougher dude down low. Fortunately, he's not one of their better players. He is just a role player. Uh, so I don't think he'll have a huge uh, stats impact on the game, but Auburn will definitely want to be uh, meet his level of physicality and make sure that he does not work them over in any way. Okay. Well, uh, Tom and Kent and um, Brent. 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 I got a question for you guys. How do you think the football is going to do? Like, do you think that who do you think is going to be the probably the starter for football? Uh, you think it'll be Robbie Aspert or the one they got from Liberty? And what do you guys think about TJ Finley? I've heard. I've read that. Probably at the spring, they'll probably transfer because I don't think Finley's going to play this year at all. Yeah, I think if the roster doesn't change at all, I think it's going to be Robbie Ashford. Uh, but I still think that Hugh Freeze is going to go out and get another quarterback if a quarterback who's good enough to play here enters the portal. Uh, and if he does, I mean, it'll be between Robbie and that guy. And, you know, we'll see going forward. Obviously, Hugh Freeze wants to get another quarterback in here. He had two unofficial visits one couldn't transfer anywhere and he's back at his original school and one spent a weekend down here and then committed to Kentucky the next day so uh, he Hugh Freeze wants another quarterback in the room uh if it'll be a guy who compete for the compete for the starting job or another body to be a backup we don't know that yet but uh as of right now I think Robbie Ashford is going to be the starter TJ Finley is expected to transfer if he doesn't, then I mean he's just another face in that quarterback room, and I, I'm with you. I don't see him playing very much. Well, like uh, one more question, and then like uh, I want to do like say hey to a couple fans and you know do the But uh, what do you guys probably what what how many games do you think Auburn will probably go this year in football? How many? And what do you guys think about Oklahoma and Texas coming? And how's that going to work out? Stuff like that. So, like, for all the home games Auburn has this year in away games, what do you think? What what all three do you guys think Auburn's record? Do you think for probably lose one game and maybe go to twelve and one, go SEC championship and play probably in the playoffs or a little bowl game? So uh, I I think it's going to be a lot more difficult for Auburn to do that uh, just because the teams on their schedule are so good and I mean this is a rebuilding thing that uh, that Hugh Freeze is having to do um, I I think Auburn can be a nine or ten win team but it's going to really depend on the quarterback situation and who that is uh, I you know I don't know that Robbie Ashford can get Auburn to that level. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of question marks on that team. I, I don't see them being the championship caliber yet. Um, Hugh Freeze is trying to build that. Uh, as far as Texas and Oklahoma coming in, uh, I think it's cool. Um, I mean, that's what's happening to these conferences. I mean, everybody's turning into a few major conferences, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, eventually you see more teams join the SEC because I, I know right now Florida State and Clemson are very unhappy with the ACC and uh, joining the SEC would make a lot of sense. So, 
Well, uh, it, it may not. It may eventually uh, not just be Oklahoma and Texas. I think you might end up seeing some other teams join in and having this major conference uh, that yeah. we just call the SEC. But uh, you guys know who's all coming back for basketball? I know Caldwell's coming back next year, and is KD coming back? And I know I know Bruce is recruiting from players for next year for basketball for the men. But do you know who it all coming back? Caldwell's coming back. Katie's coming back, right? Um, it, it, it's really hard to tell right now what Bruce Pearl's going to do with that roster. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know how much of that he's planning to revamp. Um, obviously, there's nobody on that team that's going to be leaving early to go pro. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got some guys that are seniors, and I think they're going to be gone, but – uh, the majority of that team is eligible to come back with the, I think, uh, that with the exception of a few that are done. And so that's oh, yeah. what, that's what makes me think Bruce might be looking to hit the transfer portal and really kind of change around that lineup that has just not gotten it done this year. Well, I know, I know that some people won't come back like Wang and, and Jasper won't come back because they're, they're seniors. And then that number 24 for Auburn, one from Birmingham. He's a senior. He won't come back. Right. Yeah. No. We know uh, Zepp Jasper is out of eligibility, and it, it certainly uh, would think Flanagan. Although Flanagan technically could still use a COVID year, that kind of what throws uh, all this off. I would be surprised if he did. But there's a couple guys that might it might have senior by their name, but they'd still be eligible for one more year if they want. So that, so that the one that got hurt, number ten, was a knee. He should, be, he should be able to come back in 24 for Auburn. He should be able to come back, right? Uh, Chance Westry, I believe you're talking about. Uh, yeah, he you know, he he got banged up. I, I think he would be healthy enough to play right now, but at this point they wanted to go ahead and just preserve a red shirt and make sure that they, he did not play too many games uh, since he had fallen in the rotation a little bit and, and was banged up. So he should get his red shirt, uh, and he should still be classified as a, a red shirt freshman next year. Well, hey uh, – I'm hoping to see you guys at the the game on uh, for Tennessee. Um, I think you, I think Brooks will be the one going for us uh, on on that Saturday game. Has Brooks got married yet? He has not. That will be uh, coming up in April. Well, time I said hey and a big war eagle. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my friend James from Montgomery. James, what's up, man? Um, sorry, I missed your call. I heard you earlier. I just want to big, get a big war eagle to you. And um, are you guys ready to do the cheer? We are. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. War eagle. Hey. hey. Beat, beat Bama. Bama. We're coming to your field. We're going to beat you guys. We're going to beat you guys 69 to 3. Whoa. Booyah. Booyah. Hey, if you guys see JJ, tell him I said, what's up? I will, just like that. I will. Hey, 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 Cam. Cam's Cam, not in here. Cam's not yeah. in today. Hey, Brent. What's up, man? Hey, make sure you, you keep Tom straight. I'm doing my best. Okay, if you don't behave, you always just. $250. You don't behave. <laughs> All right. Inflation going up then. All right. And expensive. Well, I'll try to call you guys next uh, Monday. You guys have a good weekend and um, you guys be safe. You too, Matt. Appreciate the phone call. War Eagle. War Eagle. 
That is Matt Fatalsi, Matt from Auburn, joining us here on the Monday edition of Sports Call. Only about two or three minutes left in hour number one. Again, Kevin Ives coming up at the top of the four o'clock hour. Talk all things Auburn baseball. Tom, you hit on something. I I know you wanted to. Oh, go ahead. Uh, but you hit on something there in the Matt phone call. I wanted to talk about maybe two minutes is not enough time to talk about it. But the news at the end of last week where Florida State. Uh, is getting rather unhappy mm-hmm. with the ACC. I have no idea. I've, I've started to read a little bit on it. They've got a very long-term deal with the ACC, though. They think the ACC signed for like 10 years, 12 right. years. So I think it's going to make the financials very difficult, much more difficult right. than Texas and Oklahoma to get out. But that was very interesting how publicly Florida State was basically saying, we earn more revenue than these other schools in the ACC, but we don't get paid like it. Yeah. And Clemson has been vocal to it. That's what, and that, the only reason I brought that up, and yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't know what their contracts and all were with the ACC, but the the two teams out of everybody in the ACC, the two teams that everybody says, if there's an SEC school in the ACC, it's Clemson and Florida State, and here they are, the two most vocal about not liking what's going on with ACC. So, no, I know there's nothing in the plans for them to join the SEC in the any time in the near future, but. You know, being that publicly vocal about dislikes of their conference and things, and then also just seeing how the SEC is growing, it wouldn't surprise me that that people start trying to make moves that that direction at some point. It's uh, it's public posturing at the very least, right. and again, that would be a more expensive endeavor to try and get out of that league sure. sooner rather than later. Uh, but also, I mean, the dynamics of Okay, I, I think the figures they used was like they, they came up with they were bringing in 15% of the value or, or 13% of the value to the ACC, but they were only getting 7% of the revenue because right. of the, the equal splits. But I wonder, there's other relevant schools, and I know football is still the biggest school up there, but there's ACC lifebloods like North Carolina and Duke, which are incredibly important to the second biggest sport out there and the and the ACC eyes, a, a much more even sport than for other conferences. How are the other schools going to take it if the ACC tries or tries to give Florida State and Clemson 10 or 12% of the revenue all of a sudden? That, that, I don't think that's going to fly. I don't think that's going to be uh, good with the Pittsburghs and the North Carolinas and the Miamis of the world. I, I don't think that, that that's going to be good for everybody. So uh, the, the answer for the ACC is create more value for your conference so that you can sign some sort of extension, some sort of more lucrative deal. I think personally, as we go to break here, I think that starts with trying to make Notre Dame a football member as well. They could somehow get Notre Dame out of the independence to join them full time because they're all they're in all the other sports. They can get them in the football side of things. That's one big key uh, in, in creating value for the conference. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back, Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter will join us to talk all things Auburn baseball. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two underway of Sports Call today on this Monday. Ryan Lavoie, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dontry with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. A busy first hour, and we're going to keep it going right here on the Auburn Bank phone line to start hour number two. Pleased to be joined by Kevin Ives now at AUPPL on Twitter. He is Plainsman Parking Lot. And Kevin, last time we spoke, you were getting ready for a trip to SoCal, and that decidedly did not happen. A, I am sorry about that, and B, I hope you still had an enjoyable weekend watching some Auburn baseball. It was still an enjoyable weekend. Yeah, Tuesday they, Tuesday was a little bit of a scramble in a whirlwind because we were supposed to fly out on Thursday. And then they made the announcement late Tuesday after the North Alabama game that the series, because the weather was going to get moved from Los Angeles to Auburn, um, you know, you actually have to get credit to all the staff at USC and especially at Auburn for making it happen because um, Auburn could have not played any baseball at all this weekend. I mean, there are a lot of teams that were kind of left stranded, and the weather is still bad out in Southern California. I saw a picture a minute ago of some snow in Pasadena, so... Yeah, USC hopped a, hopped a late flight. They had a midweek game um, on Tuesday, and then they hopped a, um, a late flight and came to the Plains, and Auburn got a series in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And unfortunately, because of travel curfew and um, them having to catch a flight back, because they've got a game um, tomorrow, actually, against Fullerton, um, the Sunday game ended up in a tie. But overall, it was a solid weekend. Um, you know, yeah, I hate that I wasn't able to go out and experience LA and experience uh Dino Field and all um USC's campus and everything but we made the best of it um and you know it's just living living learn just roll with it hopefully next time around Auburn goes and makes a trip like that hopefully there will not be inclement weather for I don't know the entire week uh and uh great trips will be able to have uh be able to happen but let's talk a little bit about this last week for Auburn baseball obviously it started with a a nice run rule victory against North Alabama prior to uh the, the USC series really all week Auburn's bats were alive 13 against UNA 5 against USC 12 and then 12 uh just talk about what you're seeing overall from this lineup and, and anything that might be uh, a little bit surprising overall for this big offensive start. I think just the the offensive start in general, I think, and how hot they are and the fact that um, guys like Irish and Bryson Ware are leading the way in average and, um, and in RBIs, um, I think that's probably the biggest surprise. The fact that the offense is so ahead of schedule at this point and that the pitching has had some struggles, I think it's been a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, and I, But it'll start to even out a little bit. Um, the fact that Auburn is has, you know, is leading um, a lot of offensive categories around the nation, or is in the top five, top ten for a lot of offensive categories, um, and against quality opponents, I think really bodes well for the rest of the season. It's not like it's something where we've kind of um, where Auburn has kind of inflated their stat against um, competition that um, you know might not have put up the biggest challenge, but against Indiana, against USC, against North Alabama, like these have been these are quality games. Um, and Auburn has been just putting up 
uh, the video game numbers, but the only issue right now has been the pitching just has to kind of keep up um, with a lot of these things. But it at least gives you confidence as a pitching staff that you are not out of any game at this point because the lineup does not really have a ton of holes in it. Um, Cooper McMurray really had a really great weekend, and so that kind of secured another spot um, in the lineup. Um, and so Auburn doesn't really have any very many holes, and it's, and it's kind of just right now figuring out how guys really fit together and how they're going to gel together even more. Kevin, two weeks in a row now we've seen Auburn give up a ton of runs on Sunday, and you touched on it there. We're not panicking about the pitching yet, but with what's going on, how worried should fans be about the amount of runs you're giving up, especially on those Sunday games? I don't think they should be worried because it's not – It's right now you're still in a situation where you're trying to figure out and define roles for every guy on um, in the rotation and on the bullpen and out of the bullpen. And so – you're going to have guys that are going to struggle. You're going to have guys that are trying to adjust. They're actually working against live competition, so they're going to have a lot of data that they can then process and that they can use um, and improve on um, later in the year. And honestly, I'd much rather be in the position to where you've kind of struggled a little bit pitching so you know what you can fix and what you can adjust than if you had kind of coasted through these first two weeks and you haven't really seen any of your flaws, and you haven't really seen any issues. Because now they're evident. You know that you can fix them, you know you can work on them, and you've got time to work on them. I mean, Auburn's about to, you know, they've got a game on Wednesday. They're going to start a string about nine games in 12 days. And so there's going to be a lot of arms that are going to be used. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going to get a chance. Um, And so I really think after this big stretch coming up, you're really going to have these roles be more defined. Um, and really going to have to figure things out. And Auburn was kind of thrown for a loop on Saturday. Joseph Gonzalez didn't make his start because of some shoulder soreness. Um, so that kind of flip-flopped everything and moved everything around. Um, Auburn was able, you know, Christian Herberholz had a spot start on Saturday um, and really kind of held his own. But the Sunday Sunday stuff is still a little iffy. Um, and so that's where you're. we really kind of, Auburn really needs to kind of figure some things out. And developing that third guy, developing that Sunday starter that you can – really trust and step up and he's going to be your guy is going to give you a lot of confidence when you start getting the SEC play because you're probably going to get up and get up. You're probably going to end up in a lot more rubber games in the SEC. Um, and so that's going to be the difference between where you're seated in Hoover. Um, and then, you know, where, if you host a regional or even make a regional, you know, those, those Sunday games are going to be key. Uh, looking at the offense uh, side of things, yeah, putting up a lot of numbers, uh, a lot of hits, a lot of numbers. But uh, the one guy that everybody's kind of talking about right now is is a freshman, Ike Irish, and on second year in a row, or second week in a row, rather that he is the uh, SEC freshman of the week. Just uh, what have you seen from him that uh, makes him such a good hitter? I mean, is he is he disciplined at the plate? Is he just seeing the ball that you know of? I mean, what what are you seeing out of out of this true freshman that is really kind of coming here and taking things by storm? It's, it's a lot of it is discipline. A lot of it is the fact that he's able to use the entire field. Um, he's not really a pull hitter. Um, he doesn't really favor one side or the other when he when he hits. Um, he just makes solid contact with everything. I mean, even his um, fouls are like you. You know, he was. You can tell that he was just a little bit away from really connecting on anything. Um, you know, the power is is kind of there a little bit. It's not where um, it's not like Justin Kirby's power numbers where he has five hits and five home runs. Um, but that'll start to start to develop. But that's really not even what Ike needs to do right now, where he's kind of slotted in that cleanup spot where he's been, you know, either cleanup or third, just getting on base, 
um, either setting the tail for um, the second inning or, um, you know, being an RBI producer is going to be big for Auburn. And just keeping that average up and keeping that contact, getting on base, um, that's going to be his strength, and that's been his strength so far. Looking at that last game against Southern Cal, a little bit of controversy, um, I guess you could say, there towards the end of that game. Uh, obviously, it ends in a tie due to the con- the time constraints. But, uh, I mean, from Yale's perspective up there uh, on the deck, how, were, how confused were you guys uh, with the run that was called back uh, well, we on were, Southern Cal that where he didn't, we were, apparently didn't touch home plate? We were extra confused. I mean, I didn't see it. I wasn't really – paying attention to the runner's feet. Um, and he, I guess he just kind of skipped over home plate. The coaches saw it. The Auburn coaches saw it. Um, got the force out. The guy was already in the dugout. Once you're in the dugout, you can't come back. Um, you know, you're out of the field of play at that point. Um, and that ended up really being the difference in the game because Auburn wasn't able to do anything in the bottom of the ninth. And Auburn really kind of got favored a little bit by being at home in this situation because there was no video review because all the cameras for SEC Network and SEC Network Plus were over at the arena for the women's basketball finale. So wow. there's no video review. you got to trust the umpires in those situations. Um, you know, coaches got the appeal, ended up being the difference. I mean, that's just a wacky thing about baseball. It's, it's where one of the things where you just have to make sure you do the routine and then go through everything. Make sure that, yeah, you, you're, you, you know you're going to score here, but you've got to make sure you touch home plate. Um, and so those little things, you know, they kind of add up. And um, credit the Auburn coaching staff for noticing it at the time. I don't know if it was the catcher that noticed it um, and signaled it out because I know the umpire wouldn't have said anything. Um, but yeah, that he, it was kind of weird because we were watching. We thought the run scored, and then we see the meeting on the mound, and then we see the signal for out, and then we just kind of had to listen to the radio a little bit to kind of see what exactly happened. Um, Andy saw it clear as day apparently in the in the booth. So um, credit credit him. Uh, and so maybe it might have been a situation, you know, they keep the windows open usually in the uh, radio booth. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if it's a situation you can hear him screaming up there and that may have triggered the, the coaches. Um, but I don't know. That's just a, a random theory. But Auburn got, you know, Auburn um, got the benefit of it, um, game in and at a tie. And the first tie since like the, um, I think I looked it up, since like the 80s. Auburn tied Ole Miss. Um, in like 1982 or something, or it may have been earlier than that. Ties are very, very rare um, in in baseball and in college baseball specifically. Yeah, that was going to be my next question there, Kevin, is just that we've gotten so accustomed to ties not being a part of most major sports. They're a huge part of soccer, but other than that, I mean, we've gotten away from ties in in just about everything, and uh, it's been that way for a long time. So, like, how do you process a tie? And I, I know it's one of like 60 games, so it's not necessarily going to be something that, that matters a whole lot for a resume or that sort of thing. But Auburn was very close to having a sweep of USC, and then they, they settled for the tie there at the end and then just wonder how, how that gets processed. It won't make a big difference RPI-wise or anything else. I mean, it's going to go as a half win and kind of a half loss, but – um, it's really going to be just kind of decimal points at the very end. Um, if it had been in the SEC play, it would have been a bigger difference. You kind of saw that either last year or the year before last with Missouri having kind of a, a random half game because they ended up getting a tie because of a travel curfew. Um, so if, this, if it was in SEC play, it would have made a huge difference when it comes to those standings. But in the non-conference, um, it's not going to make that big a deal. 
I think for Auburn's sake, Auburn is, is probably more kicking themselves than they weren't able to get the sweep because they had the chances late Sunday at the bottom of the night. You know, had bases loaded with one out and just couldn't get, just couldn't bring that last runner across. So I think there is a little bit of a bitter taste in the on the Auburn side because you had the series, you could have gotten the sweep, um, but you know, at the end of the day, it is not a loss, um, and it is it is just a tie, and it's. Just one thing you'll you'll kind of just be reminded of all year when you see the overall record. You'll always see Auburn sitting there with a the tie, and you'll have to think back to what happened. So it'll be a reminder all season, but it won't be something to dwell on. So looking at the week ahead, Auburn's got Florida A&M in the midweek and then a three-game series with Lipscomb at Plainsman Park. Talk to us a little bit about this Lipscomb team. I know that they had a pretty good record, I guess, last year, but obviously not going to be – uh, as much notoriety with the average fan as some of the teams that Auburn's opened up with? They're a solid team. I mean, and they're a team that that Auburn really can't take lightly. Um, they already had two series wins. They've got one against Notre Dame. they got one against UNCG. Um, Auburn is familiar with them. They've played them, you know, the last few years. And so, um, you know, Lipscomb's going to be tough, and they're going to have really good pitching. Um, that's kind of been their hallmark. It's been kind of been their pitching, and um, Auburn's, Auburn's just going to have to find answers amongst themselves to um, to beat the Bisons. They also have a weird nickname. They're not the Bison singular. They're Bisons with an S, um, so that's not a typo if you ever see it. Um, but they're going to be tough, and I think this will be um, – I'm not going to say it's going to be Auburn's toughest test so far this season because I really think Indiana and USC were really quality opponents. It's just another quality opponent that Auburn's going to have to deal with. Um, and it's not one where you can kind of look at the name – and think, oh, okay, well, I've never really heard of this school, so, you know, we can kind of take them lightly. I know the coaches aren't going to do that. Um, I know the players aren't going to do that. And so fans need to just be aware. This is a really good team um, that's coming in this weekend. And you saw last year, you know, Auburn, you know, if they're not on their game in these pre, in these um, pre-SEC conference weekends, you know, they can come back to bottom. You know, we dropped the series last year to Middle Tennessee, um, you know, and then, that came down to kind of that, that Sunday swing game. And so for Lipscomb, it's, it's going to be a big weekend all over on the, on the play. You know, the, the game is 6 o'clock on Friday. It got moved to 4 o'clock on Saturday because of the, the men's game, the men's finale. Um, so that will be a big, a big day on Saturday. And then Sunday, you know, another 1 o'clock game. And Auburn just has to do what Auburn has been doing, and that is keeping the offense going. And then work on work on some of the mistakes that they've had on the mound, and I think that's going to end up being the difference in the game, and that's going to what that will be the key to that series. He's Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter. Kevin, the time is greatly appreciated. Looks like a great weather forecast this weekend. We're talking upper 60s, so perfect baseball weather. We appreciate the time, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. That is Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter. Plainsman parking lot. Always a great time talking to Kevin right here on Sports Call. Need to take our next break of the show. More after this.
don't want to call into the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call today. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy. Appreciate Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter. For joining us on the show each and every Monday. Auburn baseball hitting the ball hard so far this year. Also forgot, or, or not forgot, but didn't bring it up with him in the flow of the conversation. Uh, the amazing stat line that Justin Kirby has five hits so far this year. All home runs. They are all home runs. Yeah, and, uh, that's pretty crazy. And so uh, there's a lot of power in that Auburn lineup, and, and they've gotten off to a, a great start at the plate. Yeah, they they have. Um, he he's done amazing with the five hits of all uh, five home runs. But uh, man, Ike Irish yeah. is uh, that's that's just crazy. I mean, two weekends in a row now that he has, uh, uh, or two weeks in a row, I guess, is that he is the SEC Freshman of the Week, and uh, dude is just tearing it up. I mean, to be to be a true freshman and doing what he's doing. It's uh, it's pretty, pretty darn special. And uh, just looking at him through seven games so far with Auburn, he is seven seventeen of twenty nine. So he's batting five eighty six with a seven ninety three slugging. He has four doubles, a triple, and now two SEC Freshman of the Week. So, uh, man, well, well, welcome to Auburn, Ike Irish. And I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he was one of the high schoolers drafted, was he? That chose to come to Auburn anyway. He just uh, got to Auburn, and all of a sudden, people started see, to see this guy. He got was it. highly, highly rated coming out. Um, I, I'd have to go back and look. Um, for some reason, I'm wanting to say that. I oh man, I I don't know. Um, I just don't remember. I've got well, you know. Oddly enough, I've got his high school stuff here. Uh, uh, he's from Michigan. Um, led his high school to a 44 and 0 record. Oh, uh, Max Preps collegiate baseball first team All American. He was the number 39 overall player and the number three catcher. You'd think they would have gotten drafted if yeah. you're the number 39. I mean, I, I don't know the exact way they rank the prospects. If there is a difference, it's possible uh, because they could be trying to rank, rank players that are not right. destined to go straight to Major League Baseball. So I'm not a hundred percent sure, but. If they do rank everybody, and you're the number 39 prospect, and you know there's a 1.7 million rounds to the MLB draft, right? Then you would okay. I would figure he would have gotten drafted, but I'm going to try to look him up real, here real quick to see if uh, I just happen to have that stat right in front of me. Um, but certainly, but he, he was yeah. he was a very highly sought after, and I mean he was a big big get with uh, uh, Butch Thompson when we were talking about Butch Thompson a big recruiting class coming in. Ike Irish was like the main guy. Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's that's he's he's living up to the hype so far. Hopefully, he can keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, been part of that very hot Auburn start. All right, let's get back to the Auburn Bank phone line three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tire nine. Next up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, thank you for patiently waiting. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, much better today, guys. Thank you. Uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing, doing all right. Doing great. Okay, it's uh, not only yourself, but also uh, Tom and Brent, right? Yes, sir. 
Okay, well, as the old saying goes, guys, you win some and you lose some, and then you really lose some. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Jeez. Uh, I want to ask you this, guys, because I tortured myself and watched it even to the very end. I kept, like you said, Tom, just hoping, please don't call any timeouts. Just let the clock run and get it over with. Uh, I, I thought we were actually going to be really competitive. I mean, until the last three minutes of the first half, it was just back and forth. So what, explain to me, what happened? What was it that stopped working for Auburn and started working for Kentucky? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of everything. So what is the everything? What is, I mean, they were, well, uh, well, at one point, uh, even with three minutes left, we only were down by three, and then, bam, the floodgates opened. Yeah, so I, I think the, uh, the two main things were uh, Auburn was not able to create open looks on offense. I, I think that while there's definitely been periods of time where Jalen Williams and, and Janai Broom have been able to finish through contact anyway or, or finish contested shots, uh, the, the shots were very contested overall. Uh, the passing was not pristine. And so just every shot Auburn had for the most part was something contested. We know that they struggle a little bit on offense or on offense at times. And, and, and certainly the, the good Kentucky defense gave them big problems there. And then I think secondly, uh, Kentucky just shot the ball very well. Now, that is more so, I think, due to their credit. I, I think that obviously Auburn – has something to do with that as, as not playing as great defense. But Kentucky all year long has been very smart about when they shoot threes. They're a really good team percentagely, yet they don't shoot a lot of them, which means which tells me they only take smart threes. And you saw they went 8 of 13. So that's not an overwhelming amount of makes. Eight makes in a game certainly happens time and time again in college basketball. But to be that efficient doing it means they still had a lot of other possessions to go to work down low with their bigs. Uh, Chibwe definitely had some powerful moments, particularly in the first half. And and really, it was just a complete game by Kentucky, kind of just thoroughly beating Auburn in, in every phase. Well, just all that and everything you said, you know, point on, here's what I can teach you just to be, uh, I guess, astounded by and just uh, uh, frustrated by, and that is there will be either one or two players uh, in the opponent we're playing who hadn't done crap during the previous uh, games at all, and then all of a sudden ambush us with just incredulous shot-making. Like, I'm referring to this one player, I forgot his name, who had not made, I think, but one or two uh, three-pointers, and then in this game Saturday started just making them. Do you know who I'm referring to? Because uh, they mentioned that. The CBS Sports guy says, yeah, this guy's only made two three-point shots the entire season up, up until Saturday. Uh, maybe. It, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if it was Reeves or, I, I mean, percentagely they're all in the 30s, so maybe he's just someone that didn't shoot uh, the three very well. Uh, or, said, well or, how does this happen, you know? Why do these guys pick our damn game to do this stuff on? Uh they, they, you know, honestly, Steve, I don't think there's a why to that. I think that's just crap luck uh, sometimes. I mean, you just sometimes you're just the team that um, that you get hot. But, uh, you know, Auburn's also been struggling on defense and leaving some guys wide open. And, you know, when, you, when you're able to have a wide open three, get your feet set and get a good look at the rim. Uh, I, I know who it was. It was uh, – it was uh, sorry to interrupt you, Oh, you're Tom. good. It was uh, a dude, uh, Tiro or Tirio. Uh, That's his name, Tierro. Uh, Tierro. But by uh, the way, yeah. I mean, he still—that was his yeah, only three of the Tierra. game. He only—he only had three points, and he averages yeah. two point six. He's yeah, one of one from three. 
Yeah, okay. So I don't, well, that didn't really have a whole lot to do, do with that. I was, yeah, I was glad to see that uh, Bruce uh, owned up and said he apologized, but, you know, this ought to be an embarrassment to the players and the coaches because he said we were awful in all aspects of the game. Yes, but I'd like to know why. Why were you that awful? I mean, uh, good God. You know, uh, and I thought that we, we probably maybe would lose by no more than six to eight points. What was I way off on that one? Uh, and now it's come down to what? Alabama and Tennessee. And I'm thinking if we can't beat Tennessee, we may not. We may be maybe what? Uh, those last four in that have to play to get into the tournament? Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, if, if Auburn ends up making the tournament despite losing the last two of the regular season, they're probably going to be in the last four in. They're co- probably going to have to play in that first four in Dayton, Ohio. Now, Mark Murphy just put his column out here. I don't know if you've read it yet. And he says, Jerry Palm's latest practology forecast for CBS Sports predicts Auburn Tigers will be a 10th seed. Right, yeah, that's online. I think Lenardi has them around 10 as well, maybe 11. Okay, Bracken uh, Matrix has us number nine, uh, surprisingly. But that's, is that taking account if we were to lose both games or win one game? No. That, uh, what's that based on, guys? Just the current status? Yeah, just current status, just current resume. Every, you know, every Everyone's quad resumes could change based off of rankings going up and down and, and who they play in the conference tournaments and stuff. But, yeah, that's that's the – Current resume as of today. Okay. Uh, on a lighter note, boy, our other team, since we are in everything school, our gymnastics team uh, won Friday. The baseball team should have swept. And I was in those games, I was following it. You know, we were winning 12 to 6, guys, in the top of the eighth inning yeah. and blew it. Blew it. And then had the bases loaded, like Kevin Ives just said. Uh, what. How do you, and then we were rotating pitchers like out of nowhere. Uh, I was going to run out of pitchers. What happened? Do you guys listen to the game at all? It was twelve to six. I thought we had it in the bag. Uh, I, I think um, I, I think Auburn's still trying to figure out that Sunday. Uh, they're trying to figure out their Sunday rotation, but I think they're also trying to full, figure out their bullpen and, and find the guys because we're still so early in the season that uh, you, you're still trying to kind of get a feel for some of these guys, some of the new guys. Um, and, and, you know, for whatever reason, it seems like it's been the Sundays. The, uh, you know, they got absolutely shellacked on a Sunday by Indiana, and then they give up another 12 runs uh, this Sunday to Southern Cal and, and blow that lead. So um, that that's one thing that uh, Auburn's trying to figure out is, is that pitching and, and how to kind of, especially on Sundays, how to kind of shore things up. But they're getting the offensive output to win every single game they play right now. They just they've got to figure out a few things with the with the pitching rotation and the uh, and the bullpen. You know, I listened to you. Uh, you asked a very you know uh, a question that was very pointed on that should Auburn fans be worried about these you know uh, uh, late meltdowns? And Kevin Hart says no, not to worry about it. Okay, but, uh, you know, you should never lose a game at the top of the eighth inning. I, I think that, okay, maybe that's wrong. Um, maybe I'm naive. But you, if you ain't 26, 26 and you're at home, you shouldn't lose those games, should you? Yeah, but, I mean, it's also baseball. I mean, you see some of the best teams ever blow leads. Uh, I mean, it, it it's one of those things that does happen in baseball because team can get just scorching hot in an inning. And it, and it might just be one pitcher that – his delivery is something that the ba- that the the batters are able to pick up a lot, you know, easier than they had been, and you know, or you just catch a guy that's just having a bad night. I, it 
it happens. Um, and, you know, the thing that I always say, Steve, and, and it was something that I talked about with the basketball team way earlier in the season, is I, I was not ready to panic on the basketball team early in the season, and I'm not going to panic yet with baseball with the Sunday games right now. Uh, what I'm waiting to see is a pattern of of consistency or a pattern of inconsistency. I'm not willing to say that after two games right now. You know, give it a little bit of time, and they may show a pattern. And that's kind of what the basketball team showed early on with the inability to hit three pointers and, and lack of guard play. Is is that you kind of started picking up uh, on, on these. Uh, you know, consistencies, I guess you could say, or if you even want to say consistently inconsistent. But um, that's what I'm waiting to see is patterns to form right now. So until I figure out some patterns with what this baseball team does, I, I'm not really to push any sort of a panic button or a celebration button. Okay, moving on quickly. The softball team was surprisingly, uh, I mean, Pitta was just tearing them up. Uh, I think she had no one scoring runs against her, did she? We had no, uh, yeah. no hitter, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, she did have no hitter, and, and nothing surprising about about Maddie Pence at this point. She's yeah. been Auburn's top pitcher for two years now, and she's one of the best pitchers in, in softball. And just real quickly, uh, back to baseball, uh, I'm loving this transfer, uh, Mr. Irish. Is that his name, right? Yep, not a, not a transfer. He's a true well, freshman. Yeah, true freshman. Oh, he's, a true he's a new guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's a new okay. guy. But yeah, he's, a, he's, he's fresh out of high school up from up in Michigan. He was tearing it up. All right. Now, I think it was you, Tom, that said earlier at the beginning of the show that uh, Alabama fans, I've read some of their comments, uh, were angry or um, saying that uh, other SEC teams, uh, programs, were bad-mouthing Brandon Miller. Well, to all of you Alabama listeners, there's no bad-mouthing of Mr. Brandon Miller. Uh, He has done enough himself to bad-mouth himself. And what I'm talking about is over the weekend, if you didn't see, because I didn't bother to watch it, but I saw a post uh, from someone else, and I saw the video clip, and that is that uh, Mr. Miller was coming out of the tunnel pregame, uh, another teammate of his patted him down. And then the uh, people in attendance there cheered it. I said, wow, uh, really? And after the game was over, uh, Mr. Uh, Oates uh had a, a comment to make. He said, before, and this quotes, before I get started on the game, it was brought to my attention after the game about our pre-game introductions. I think that's something that's been going on all year. I don't really know. I don't watch our introductions. I'm not involved with them. I'm drawing up plays during that time. Regardless, it's not appropriate. It's been addressed. And I can assure you, it definitely will not happen again for the remainder of the year. End of quote. Now, if I were a reporter at that time, he said this, guys, and I'm not. I don't know if you guys would ask this. Maybe they won't allow me uh, to have any more uh, to do with Alabama sports. But as a ethical journalist, I would have said this. Uh, question, uh, Coach Oates. You said that uh, you're not involved with what goes on during the pregame, and you said uh, you don't watch introductions. So my question is this, sir. Uh, it's been going on apparently – throughout the season that they've been patting down Mr. Brandon Miller. Uh, how is it that it is only now that's been brought to your attention and not since uh, before that? Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's hard to figure. Uh, again, it, it kind of just goes back to the whole situation has just indeed not been taken seriously. And that that thing should have should have stopped as soon as, you know, there was a murder committed. And well, wait a minute, though, though. Excuse me for interrupting you. Ryan, why were they even doing this? To begin with, 
what was the point of uh, frisking him and patting him down uh, at the beginning of the season or whatever started happening? What was the point of that? that that's a... Uh, that's one of those weird uh, pregame celebrations that has been going on across sports. Uh, really? For a very, I yeah, didn't yeah. know this. I've never this for oh, yeah. uh, no, no. The only people who get patted down are being frisked by law enforcement <laughs> officials. I, I, you know, it, it's I don't know, Steve. It's a it's a thing that has been going on in, in pregame introductions for a very long time. I've seen Auburn do it. Really? To, oh yeah. I've never known that. Saint uh, educated me. I didn't yeah. know Auburn did it. Oh yeah, it's a it's a common thing. Well, but stupid. You, well, no, it, it, well, sure. I mean, there's a lot of the stupid celebrations, but it's something that has been going on. It's not something that Alabama just came up with, and it's not something they came up with. I can almost guarantee you, well, because NATO said they've been doing it all year. They, it was not a situation they didn't just come up with it like, hey man, let's really stick it to these people that are talking bad about us. So let's frisk you down like you have a gun. Now they've been doing that all season, like Oates said. Uh, other teams do it all the time. What they should have done is realize, like, hey, maybe, maybe, let, maybe let's not do that this time because this might be in in kind of bad taste considering the situation. So uh, let's, how about we come up with a different, you know, introductory celebration instead of the pat down. And I know these guys were assigned student uh, guidance counselors. Uh, where was that person in talking to him and say, hey, you don't want to be doing this anymore? Uh, not not this season after what's happened to you, Brandon. Right? Yeah. No, I'm, sure. I'm, well, I'm, you you would think that the head coach would also be a little more in tune to what's going on with his guys, but he's busy drawing up plays, I guess. Okay. But then it gets worse. For people who are trying to defend, uh, well, he's such a good kid, you know, and he's, you know, a great player. Well, what has to do with, you know, we have a person who died because of uh, some really bad decisions. But our kick, I saw this one. Uh, said, the problem is this, and it continues. On Sunday, Brandon Miller's Twitter banner was still a photo of the introduction of him being frisked. So, and the, the, the writer goes on to say, at a massive athletic department like Alabama, they should probably be paying someone to handle the PR of Brandon Miller. Why would you keep doing this? What I mean, has no one said to him, uh, he hasn't, no, no family, no members says. Don't do this crap anymore, Brandon. Take it off. Yeah, no, I I, I never saw that. Um, yes, at outkick.com. Sure, uh, but but yeah, no. If that if that were the case, then that is also just in a long line of of, of not smart things. Uh, I, I I don't get it anymore. All right. Uh, finally, real quickly, guys. Two uh, uh, memorable things happened on this date uh, in sports. Nineteen sixty. Do you have any guess of what might have happened? In 1960? I... On this date? I don't know. Uh, some, I don't know. The U.S. Olympic hockey team beat Soviet Union and then goes on to win the first Olympic hockey gold medal. Awesome. Now, what's even more interesting is two of the people on that team, well, actually one person uh, didn't make the team, that later on became a member of the Miracle Nice team. His name was Roger. Uh, it was Bill uh, Christian's son, David Christian. And then one of the other players on the, that team later ended up being who? The coach for the Miracle Nice team. Two decades later. Wow. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And then this one really uh, said, wow, this is interesting. In 2006, on this date, Another memorable event occurred in 
U.S. sports history. What do you think might have happened? So this was 17 years ago. Oh, gosh. Uh, the first time this ever happened and hasn't happened since. Hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not down on my trivia today, apparently. Okay, I thought I'd get you on this one because I didn't know the scene. I thought, wow, this is neat. A lady by the name of Effa, E-F-F-A Manley, becomes the first woman elected to what? The Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Now, was not only was she the first woman, but the first African-American woman to be in the Baseball Sports Hall of Fame. She was a co-owner of the Black Baseball League at that time called the New Jersey Eagles. They were one of the powerhouses at that time. In fact, she was so upset that uh, uh, the, the, uh, at that time the Major League Baseball all-white team uh, got Jackie Robinson from their team. But she continued to pretty much manage uh, the, 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 uh, her team, and it finally uh, disbanded when uh, the color uh, line was broken. But she got actually uh, elected and was put in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, the only woman that actually is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I thought, wow, what a uh, commendation uh, that they made her. Too bad she wasn't around to uh, uh, to be alive to know that. And I've always wondered that, guys, real quickly, that, you know, why don't we honor people before they're dead? What's the point of doing it after they're dead? I mean, yeah, I mean, good question. Uh, I Wouldn't you like to be known that you were somehow influential or that people uh, honored you and they, and they really respected what you did in your life? Yeah, you I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, they they don't uh, they don't just honor dead people. I mean, they honor a lot of alive people as well. Uh, it's just one of those. Uh, well, I, 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 I hate to I here. hate to be so passive as to say getting around to it. Uh, I mean, that, that just sounds <laughs> that just has like a very negative sound to it. But um, sometimes it is kind of you know it's right there. It's in the forefront, you know. But there's people that come up that that you know jump in and eventually you get to them and they have not survived so yeah i don't know but i mean i'm just i'm glad that she was honored i mean that's that's the thing i say be happy that she's honored not you know why when or why or what and all this i mean just she she was honored and that's a good thing well yeah but tom here's my point you know let's let's show people that we really do like what they accomplish in life while they're alive so although hey People really did pay attention. I'm, I'm at it in, in some form or fashion, just like they've done with Charles Barkley, you know, uh, with Cam Newton. You know, I'd rather, I'd, I'd like to know that before I died. Hey, people uh, really thought I mattered in what I did. The only thing I would add is that sometimes to get the proper context on something, it takes time. And sure. sometimes things have to change. Sometimes, um, you know, obviously this case would not be a case of, st- of stats or anything like that, but it does happen for for, for players and coaches too, sometimes the context is not complete, completely fulfilled and you, you realize after the fact maybe the significance or importance of, of someone else's life or career maybe just out after the fact. Okay. Uh, oh, well, uh, a point well made. I understand that. I just thought I'd make a uh, commentary on that. All right, guys. So I thank you for your time. Uh, my time is way up. Uh, I guess we can talk a little bit more. But uh, what's your guess? line will be for the Alabama game? Oh, I, I think Alabama's going to be favored by at least 15. I oh, I was going to go I was going to go about 10-ish. 10. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying Alabama's going to be favored by about 15. How 
how motivated do you think our guys will be or or not? Oh, definitely motivated. They'll be, yeah, they'll, they'll be motivated, I think, until Alabama starts beating the crap out of them, and then they'll probably lose a lot of motivation and be ready to get the hell on out of there. Well, the only thing I say to that is this. I saw part of the end of the uh, Arkansas game. You know, Arkansas had a nine-point lead over Alabama at the half. And they took Alabama to the wire. Almost could have beaten them. And, you know, they only lost by three points. Sure. And Arkansas is not a world-beater basketball team. Sure. What, wasn't that game in Fayetteville, though? No, it was in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, oh, it was, it was in Tuscaloosa. Okay. Yeah, Tuscaloosa, yeah. So, you know, uh, I wouldn't be so smug if you're now down there thinking that you're just going to take us to the woodshed just because we got taken to the woodshed by Kentucky. Yeah, well, no, I mean, Alabama players are going to have to show up. They, they're, Auburn's not just going to let them have it. I mean, Alabama's going to have to play. And uh, and Auburn Auburn can definitely hang in there. Uh, I just think, you know, Auburn coming off the loss and then everything that Alabama is playing for, and then plus you, you know, throw in any questions about the controversy and them wanting to stick, stick it to Auburn fans for perceived, you know, wrongs or whatever. Um I, I just think there's just so much kind of going in Alabama's favor on that. May well be. However, uh, I also read uh, Bruce Pearl's uh, comments today, and he said, and I agree with it, these two games matter a lot. And uh, they, I, don't, I don't see uh, the coaches staff for the team just throwing in the towel just because it's Alabama. I mean, they, they, these two games matter, and they know it matters. Sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, just because something matters doesn't mean you're going to execute um, the way you need to. All right, guys, thank you for your time as always. I know our time is way, way up. So uh, until next time, you have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll talk again tomorrow. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, that is Retired Word MC, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Need to take one more time out here before we wrap up hour number two. Back to wrap things up for the second hour right after this. Sports Call Crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Monday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here. Just a couple more minutes before we take our hour break here. And no, I don't mean to take a full one-hour break, but just go to the break that puts us into the next hour. So without further ado, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Again, a couple minutes left in this hour. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff joins us. Jeff's how, Jeff, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. Man, I, uh, thank you for taking my call. I'll keep this short. Man, I feel just like Steve. When I was in my 40s, I started going to more funerals than weddings, and I'm sitting there. This person meant a lot in my life. This person meant a lot in my life. So now I go, personally go, don't send a text message. Don't do anything like that. Just go and tell somebody how much you appreciate what they've done for you. I've done it with church deacons and stuff like that. I mean, I've... I've, 
bless their heart, I, I've known some World War II vets that played a big part in my life. And if I hadn't told them then, now they're gone. So, yes, do that. But I uh, would Steve say that Nick Saban needs a statue right now? Because he's probably pretty much the – he's one of the best college football coaches ever. Probably will be. Right, yeah. He's getting a statue someday. Yeah, no, absolutely yeah. getting a statue. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't see Steve – Steve's not going to stand for that. What do you think? So doesn't he already have a statue, actually? He does, yeah. yeah. Alabama has a statue for every head yeah. coach that's won a national championship. So, yeah, actually, he's already got one, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I looked at Tom and Brant, and they were already like, and they were like, no, I think he's already yeah. got one. Yeah, no, it's like he's clapping he's his hands. Yeah, you're right, he's clapping. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I just feel like a dummy now. <laughs> I had no idea. Shame on Alabama. oh all right hey i know but hey guys i uh i appreciate everything y'all do and i i just wanted to chime in i just was you know i just like to bust steve's chops every now and then yeah yes sir jeff we appreciate you man that is that is jeff from columbus joining us on our auburn bank phone line always appreciate jeff driving in he he will rib steve from time to time that that you you know and uh yeah, no, he got me. I mean, I can we can roll the tape back. I was not aware at the moment, or, or I shouldn't say I was aware. I had forgotten at that moment that uh, yeah, uh, they, they they do already have a statue there. So look, sometimes you honor them if it's abundantly clear early on. Sometimes you honor a little bit later on in life. Uh, either way is okay. Uh, as long as those that deserve to be honored are. Out of time for hour number two. When we come back, a lot to do in hour number three. Still got to do birthdays and sports. Have a uh, best and worst of the weekend, nightly TV guide. And again, spring football is here. Update you on that and more next. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here fun first couple of hours a lot going on a lot of phone calls also kevin ives was with us uh, talking about auburn baseball and to give you the the complete rundown of what we've done so far here's a daily show recap we've already finished the first two hours of sports call today <sighs> boy that escalated quickly i mean that really got out of hand fast it jumped up a notch it did didn't it 
It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, Mr. Peavy, what <laughs> all have we done today? Well, I talked a lot about a, a lot. Um, a lot we, of a lot. A lot of a lot. Uh, I mean, we've kind of touched base. We tried to mention most of all of the Auburn sports that uh, had success uh, over the weekend. And, of course, we've talked a good bit about Auburn basketball and their loss to Kentucky in a blowout fashion. Uh, we had Kevin Ives on uh, Plainsman Parking Lot to discuss a lot of the Auburn baseball and especially the big series win here over Southern Cal. Um, we've had some great callers have uh, talked about that basketball, and uh, uh, we've even discussed a little bit of Auburn football. Um, not a lot, but uh, spring practice starting up, and so we've discussed a little bit of, of football. But, uh, yeah, it's been very uh, – Auburn heavy, uh, a little bit of the Brandon Miller talk from Alabama, but mainly because Auburn is getting ready to play Alabama. So uh, very Auburn heavy, as you would expect, on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite. Sports Call Auburn. Amen. Uh, and if you missed any of that, you can check it out with the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live, you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk coca-cola taste the feeling it is the five o'clock hour usually we have done this well before now uh, but we still got to do this each and every day it's time for birthdays and sports it's time for today's birthdays and sports birthdays and sports is presented by max credit union with two convenient locations to serve you one location on gay street in auburn and the other on frederick road in opelika let max credit union help you with all of your banking needs Raymond Barry turns 90, former NFL wide receiver and head coach. Barry was born in Texas, played at SMU, had a quiet college career, was drafted 203 overall by the Colts in 1954, played in the NFL until 1967, became the favorite target of Johnny Unitas, retired after 13 seasons as the NFL's all-time leader in receptions and receiving yards, began coaching, and eventually led the Patriots to Super Bowl twenty. As a player, he was a six-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, three-time NFL leader in both receptions and yards. Inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1973, his number 82 is retired by the Colts. Raymond Berry turns 90 today. James Worthy turns 62, former NBA Ford. Worthy was born in North Carolina and was a McDonald's All-American. Played college basketball for his hometown Tar Heels for three seasons and was a one-time All-American and an NCAA Tournament champion. He was also most outstanding player of the Final Four in 1982. Most people remember Michael Jordan's shot, but it was James Worthy that was the most outstanding player on that team. His number 52 is retired by North Carolina. He was taken first overall by the Lakers in 1983 and played his entire 13-year career in L.A., Seven-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, three-time NBA Finals champion, and a one-time NBA Finals MVP. His number 42 is retired by the Lakers. He is a member of both the College and Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. James Worthy turns 62 today. Tony Gonzalez turns 47, former NFL tight end. Gonzalez was born in California, where he's an All-American as a football player and region MVP as a basketball player. Played both sports at Cal, where he was an All-American in football and starter in basketball, making a Sweet 16 run as a junior. Taken 13th overall by the Kansas City Chiefs in 1997. Played 17 seasons in the NFL for the Chiefs and the Falcons. He is known for revolutionizing the 
tight end position and is regarded as the best player to ever play the position, or at least one of them. He was a 14-time Pro Bowler and 10-time All-Pro. He holds the NFL records for most catches, yards, and Pro Bowl appearances by a tight end. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2019. The great Tony Gonzalez turns 47 today. My first ever favorite player. First ever favorite NFL player, I should say. Tony Gonzalez. Love I him. got you. Uh, and then Donovan Kaufman turns 21 today. Safety for the Auburn Tigers. Kaufman was born in New Orleans. Led his high school to a state championship as a senior, being named MVP of the game. He's also a team captain for two years. Also lettered in basketball and baseball track, wrestling, and soccer. Uh, that's about all of them. Uh, he signed with Vanderbilt and transferred to Auburn after a redshirt year. He started for the Tigers in 2021 and 2022. Donovan Kaufman turns 21 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, Raymond Berry, James Worthy, Tony Gonzalez, and Donovan Kaufman. With that, boys, spring practice is here. Uh, Auburn football starting to work up towards the spring game, which I believe is April 8th, I want to say. Right. Uh, and it's, so, mas- it's Masters weekend, isn't it? Well, yeah. It is Masters weekend. You find weekend. the Masters on the calendar. You just go ahead and plant Auburn's spring game for that Saturday. It's been that way for a while. Uh, but excitement around the team. We got a question or two earlier about spring ball. And basically, I think the main things people are going to want to see – it's just constant news about the quarterback situation. Look, quarterbacks always dominate conversation. They certainly did last year. Uh, but want to see if there are noticeable improvements uh, in the media slash coaches' opinions of Robbie After, which, granted, this is not the same coaching staff as last year, uh, or at least n- not most of them, uh, Cadillac Williams, etc. return. But I uh, want to see what Robbie Ashford has and then also want to get through the spring to the portal and see if there's one last portaling exercise uh, at the quarterback position. But uh, just excited to have spring football here, and I know we'll have uh, some things throughout the, the next month, month and a half. But, uh, yeah, they, they opened up spring practice today. First first, first uh, spring practices at the – or first practices at the new facility. Good point, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> breaking it, breaking in the brand-new facility over there, getting on their practice fields, getting spring going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of areas of, of uh, curiosity to see. Um, I, I don't want to say concern right now. It's not really anything to be concerned about when it involves spring because we're just starting fresh. Uh, there are questions at linebacker, um, so there's you know see how that shakes out. Secondary seems like it's in good shape. Your running backs seem like they're in good shape. Um, where what is Auburn doing at the wide receiver spot? Um, obviously, you're you're hoping that. That's another position group that's going to uh, find that guy that can come in here and, and be the dude. Uh, they, they've they brought in quite a few guys from the transfer portal, uh, namely the uh, – and the, I can't think of his name right now, the kid from Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati. He's like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, six, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember his name either. 6'9". Some... I, th- I think he's 6'6". Six, six. So, you know, Listed I, at six, I'm going to keep going up until it sounds good. <laughs> so, yeah, we've we've got a seven we've got, foot we've three got, wide got, receiver. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah but uh, a uh, linebacker who's a distant relative of Goliath yeah, man. comes in at just under nine and a half mm. feet. Yeah, so <laughs> so we have Alabama's roster now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so uh, tell you what, I feel a lot more confident if we did. Uh huh. But um, so yeah, I mean, there's there question marks throughout, and see how it shakes out with the spring and a new staff. But yeah, of course, everybody's going to be looking at the quarterback position. Uh, Robbie Ashford. 
sure, you know, serviceable guy last year. I, I thought, you know, he did a for the most part did a good job. I still have questions about his uh consistency consistency throwing the ball. Uh, he did have a good game against Alabama, but I mean there are other times that he just really struggled. Um, you're, so Brant was squinching his face over here. I mean, he made it some better throws he against did, Alabama. He did. He, that, he had that touchdown he had against Alabama right. in the back of the end zone was about as good as it gets. Right. He he made some better throws against Alabama, but I mean, I think just production my, in the passing game was uh, yeah not sure. There, I, and, and, if, if you're completing less than half of your passing attempts, you did sure. not have a good year as a Division One college right. quarterback. Uh, and. and and unfortunately, you know, for Auburn, I think he is the guy right now. Unless, uh, unless a new guy steps up that is currently there. Uh, but my honest, honest opinion is that they're going to go hard after somebody after spring practice, and namely, I think they're going to look across the border over at Georgia. Uh, there's three former five-star quarterbacks that are sitting in that quarterback room, and only one of them can start. And I think one of at least one of those will probably transfer portal out and i think auburn will lock in and try to get one of those guys and if it's not one of them i think they're going to try to find somebody else so you can sit there and go well why would you want to get a guy that can't even win the starting job at at his school well you know some sometimes they're in quarterback battles with uh uh Guys, they're clearly the, above the, them. The guy, well, yeah, going to be really great. Uh, they're in a quarterback battle with a seasoned veteran, and they're just not ready to uh, ride the bench for another year. Or in like Georgia's case, you know, you're losing Stetson Bennett, but I mean, you got five other dudes there. Or I'm sorry, you've got three other five star guys there that to choose from. And I would also argue that your current quarterback room is made up of a guy who is a redshirt freshman and two guys who weren't good enough to start at the schools they were at. Right. So. You know, yeah, you take what you can get at that position well, at this point. Exactly. Well, it's about you know, again, we we got to call it like it is. It's it's also just about Robbie Ashford and not being a a locked in, yeah, sure thing as a as a college quarterback. He's an awesome rusher of the football, sure. Uh, and you'd love a way to just get him. He's he does not have to become some great passer to be a really effective college quarterback. But as Brant said, you can't hover around 50% or lower. I right. mean, and, and there was too many games. There's a couple of games where he's in the 30s from a yeah. completion standpoint. And I'm sorry, like like Georgia can have eight, 87 pros on, on the roster, yeah. but that does not make it okay to be around 37, 40% right. in, in a game. So I think some of it is is based off that. By the way, the wide receiver you're looking for is Nick Mardner, six six guy, transferred out of Cincinnati. Um, uh, I mentioned Georgia's quarterback room. The other quarterback room to keep a close eye on is what's going to happen at Ole Miss uh, at the end of their spring practice because uh, Jackson Dart is still there. Uh, the guy that started yeah. all, all last season is still there, but then they brought in Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. They've got another guy there. Um, who was the other guy that transferred in? To Ole Miss, they had two big time. They did. They got like two of the top three, and one of the one of them was Grayson McCall, who ended up going That's, back to yeah. his other school. McCall went stayed at Coastal. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, he Coastal stayed at Coastal, Carolina. but they but they got another guy because they, they got Spencer Sanders and they got somebody else. And I can't remember who it is. And they and they still have Jackson Dart. So I mean, that would be another one. Curiosity to watch is you know what happens there with that because I mean Ole Miss has got a huge quarterback battle what, going. I wonder what the transfer rules on that are. Can you? Transfer in, go through a spring, realize you're not going to start, and then transfer out again. Surely, not, it's like right? you would think not, but I don't know. But, uh, I, but I don't enough. know. I think and Jackson that, I, Dart already has transferred one time. Right, Walker Howard, uh, five star guy that was at LSU. There you That's go. right. Backup. Yeah. 
So a guy that was recruited as a five star, and then Jackson Dart, and then Spencer Sanders, yeah. and again quarter <laughs> quarterback is something where in a perfect world you have two or three guys you really like, right? But the rarity to actually keep two or three guys you really like uh, are it's very difficult because that is like the position. And maybe offensive line to a degree, but that's like the position. There's no rotation, right? <laughs> like, like you just there is no need. I mean, if you're a backup, it's not like oh, I might get an opportunity against this matchup, or I might get an opportunity in this situation. No, not really. Uh, and and yeah. kind of same thing with offensive line. But at least there's five of those spots. If you're so damn good, move you to another place on the line. Hopefully for you. Uh, <laughs> if you're so damn good at quarterback, but you're not the number one guy, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. But now talking about the Ole Miss situation, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Like I said, Jackson Dart was their starter all year long, but then they go and bring in uh, Spencer Sanders. They bring in uh, the Walker Howard. Uh, yeah. Walker Howard, uh, and, and and we're trying to get Grayson McCall on top of that. So it makes me think Lane Kiffin did not like Jackson Dart. Right. Well. Uh, Look, I mean, Dart was not as good as I wanted him to be. Like, sure. like if you just if you're just breaking down that resume coming from USC and his big status as a high school quarterback, playing a little bit at Southern Cal, and then going to Lane Kiffin, who's obviously a great offensive coach. You know, it was okay. It wasn't like Jackson was bad, but it right. was definitely not explosive nor high octane or at least as high octane as it, it could have been right and there was definitely is definitely room to improve there now sanders i think is probably on the same tier as jackson dart which makes it difficult to call exactly what's going to happen there Span- uh, sanders you really can't get more experience than that because he started what three years at oklahoma state yeah uh and, and so he's got a ton of experience but dart has the experience of, of being the starter for kiffin and ole miss last year so that I would not think Walker Howard would win that job, and surely I'm well. I don't want to say surely kids make bad decisions, but surely he did not make the decision thinking he'd waltz in there and start. But he did decide before Sanders right. decided to go over there. So maybe he did think it was two horse race. Maybe he thought that there was a, a, a chance, and maybe there is. Maybe I maybe I'm just not familiar enough of what Walker Howard could end up being. But uh, that's a good question, Brant. Back to what you're saying: How quickly can you go back in the yeah. portal? Uh, but I do well, not hold know. on. There was a kid who signed with LSU in this early signing period, and he's already hit the portal. He's like so before see, spring practice. He signed, and before spring practice even started, he's going somewhere else. So I guess the question then, if if that is true, would be, can he be eligible for this year? Because you I, can, have no idea. I guess you can get in the portal whenever, as long as the portal is open. <laughs> Again, the imaginary portal here just just is. It's like I'm imagining an actual portal that you have to Does jump it, through. Boom, you're available to it's everybody. It's so weird because transferring was a thing before the invention of the quote-unquote portal. Right. Right? Like transfers happen. But it feels like since they've started calling it the portal, it's become such more of a popular thing. And I, I, I don't know why naming it makes it such a bigger deal, but Just, inter- it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I guess the question from there would be, you know, can you jump – in the portal again and be immediately eligible again because that that the one-time transfer rule in effect and they are they do have those uh new i I don't know if they've been a rough memory you you leave football (laughs) for a month or two and just it you lose everything but they had at least proposed to get rid of 
this to make it more stringent for second, third time. Yeah. I remember talking about that just a month ago, and I can't remember there has if to that be was some some kind of parameter right, that exactly. has to hit. And I can't remember if that is going into effect now, or they still got to vote on it, or <clears throat> I, I don't remember the exact. But they are at least very aware of the problem, and that, and that was the proposed solution there. So. Uh, anyway, quarterback battle is always going to be the discussion ar- around spring ball. Uh, you mentioned, though, Tom, a couple other positions of note uh, that, that you were going to look out for in the spring, linebacker being one, yeah. uh, wide receiver just because of the lack of quality Produ- there, production last year. Those kind of the, t- the two main ones for you? Uh, yeah, well, that and, I mean, and then obviously the offensive line and what they're going to do there because uh, – I mean, really, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, the only area that you had confidence in were the running backs. Yeah, everything else yeah. was kind of a crapshoot on what you were going to get. Um, and they've obviously made a lot of headway to revamp that offensive line through the transfer portal and through recruiting. Hey, it's amazing what happens when you actually try to recruit offensive linemen. No you might actually get some. So uh, I have a feeling that offensive line is going to. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to look entirely different. I, I think it's going it's going to be all brand new guys for the, pretty much the entire offensive line. Correct? I mean, I, well, you, you got you one or two in, guys coming in are you, still you back. Brought in three or four, you know. Yeah. Even if, but I'm interested to see how those guys work out because yes, they were all guys who were performing very well at lower levels, and they, you bring that in. Those those guys are upgrades. I'm interested to see how they gel, who moves where, and I mean, we'll we'll know more after spring ball for sure. And again, like we touched on, after spring, there's going to be another portal hit, so maybe they bring in two or three more offensive linemen. So it's certainly not set. It's certainly not going to be set after spring ball, but I'm really interested to see how those guys play together. I'm not going to say that I have confidence in the offensive line, but I expect it to be better, which is a pretty low bar, all things considered, but I expect it to at least be competent. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line one last time before we go to our next commercial break. Next up on the show, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony joins us. Tony, how are you doing? Yeah, fine. How are you all doing? Doing well. They're great. Yeah, I was just uh, seeing a thing on, I, I guess it might have been a hope that uh, Bruce put it on, maybe on the hot seat. Yeah, that that I don't think, you know, Steve, uh, Ward and Steve actually – or no, someone else brought that up today. Was it Steve? I think it was Matt. It was Matt, Matt, Matt brought that up. Yeah. So, so he saw that today too. I, I'm. I have not, not seen I, that anywhere. I do not think that is legitimate. Uh, I, I I could not fathom that honestly. I saw it last. I saw it last night on a couple of different um, sites. Yeah, I got um, a couple of questions. I mean, um, I don't know all the fans, but. With Nick going and get a, a, a coach that um, Hugh Freeze had at Liberty, uh, would it be a question of Nick getting it? Was it the question that um, Freeze didn't think it was good enough or he just um, wanted to stay at Liberty or what? And he also went and got one from um, Notre Dame that Brian Kelly had. Yeah, I saw, saw somebody – Talking about that earlier, I don't know anything about the guy from Liberty. Um, I know that Hugh, Hugh was asked about that earlier. Uh, I believe he was on McElroy and Kublik uh, up in Montgomery earlier today, or Birmingham, mm-hmm. Birmingham, uh, and he said that you know he was jealous of the hire, was very complimentary of the guy, but he didn't bring him to Auburn. I don't know why he didn't bring him to Auburn. I just know that he 
Hugh Freeze did not bring him here, and apparently he had the opportunity to, but Nick Saban thought he was good enough. So I, I don't know. I, I trust Nick Saban's judgment on his assistant coaches pretty well. Yeah, so what about Steele back at Alabama? Yeah, I mean, obviously this is not his uh, his first trip there. And I know it's not his first time. Sure. And he was also seeing the guy from um, Notre Dame. And I mean, a lot of sites said that's probably one of the most prominent young coaches in um, college football when he's 30, 34 years old. Yeah, Tommy Reese. I, I remember him playing quarterback at Notre Dame not too long ago. No. Yeah. And say he's a young man and a. You know, and the old man's boy, he's a young face in the old man's body and thoughts. And um yeah, but yeah, but uh, uh one other thing. What about the situation at Alabama with Brian uh with uh Brandon Nutter? You all think the uh sports world should keep on you know, I don't condone what happened, but if you have a um DA and a Judge say he can't be charged. There's no reason to charge him. You know, a lot of people probably are saying those um, Alabama graduates are they dressed in crimson and white? But do you all think professional people like that will make a decision like that to, to decide a basketball game, a basketball season? Look, I, I mean. I, I think that this is something that I mean, you know, regarded regardless of the legality, which I mean, it's pretty clear he's not going to get charged for anything there, and I think most people are starting to come around in agreement on that part of it. But you can still do something that is suspension worthy without being illegal, and you know, the question would be, can NATO defend? one of his players riding around with a gun in the vehicle as that's acceptable policy if it's not his gun, if it's not allowed by the campus. Um, certainly we know what happened with Darius Miles and and the and couple others there and what ultimately happened and that it was not actually Miller's gun, but does that mean he should be driving with someone else's gun in the car around the campus, which gets ends up getting used at 145 in the morning? So there's other things there that, regardless on any sort of uh, legal ramifications not being there, that still fall under, is that something that's permissible within a program? And so I think... Yeah, well, and, well they say he didn't know that gone was in the car. So the gun was covered up in the back seat, but, and the guy called him to pick him up. And said, bring me my gun. Yeah, that's in the text message. Yeah, that was yeah. in the text messages. He yeah. told he told him to bring him his gun. Bring me my gun. Well, that's that's some you know some different you know. Yeah, like well, that, and, and that's what that's why people are on Brandon Miller's case on this is not not that he didn't know the gun was in the car or anything. It's that. Darius Miles told him, there's stuff going down right now. I need you to come here and bring me my gun. And Brandon Miller showed up with the gun in his car, which was then used in that shooting. So, yeah, that, that, that's what happened. Yeah, that's a horse of a different color right there. Yep. Yeah. But, yeah, I, you know, I just, I guess I didn't hear the full 
thing. I didn't read the full. Right. And not that I didn't want to read it. Not that I condone what happened. Not you know. Not you know. Sure. And that's somebody's life in a basketball game is something that really shouldn't mean put on put in that consideration or even on that level. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, I, and and that's why so many people are saying that Alabama needs to do something about Brandon Miller instead of letting him play. Is yeah, he didn't pull the trigger. Uh, it was not his gun. However, he made some decisions that night that were very irresponsible that he could have made differently, and he didn't. And he is not being punished for what were not illegal decisions. Not at least what their district attorney saying. He didn't do anything illegal. However, he he made some very improper choices that night that are not being punished. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, I I don't know. It's too late to you know. It would be real embarrassing to try to punish him after the uh, tournament is over, either after they have lost or whatever. You know, it'll be a lot more. It'll be a lot worse than then. You know. People will be saying you kept him on to try to win a championship or something like that. But if you're gonna if you was gonna punish him, you should have punished him immediately. Immediately. Yeah, yeah. That, Alabama has Alabama's put themselves into a situation where they they're gonna have to ride with it, and you know they they've let him play, and that's what they're gonna have to stick to because yeah, they they they're gonna make themselves look even worse if they then turn around and suspend him after they've had his back and done all that and then they're gonna cave to media pressure or fan pressure. I mean that that would that'd be even the worse look for him. So they're just yeah. gonna have they're just gonna have to ride with it. Well well my thing is what they're considering after the season, he's gone. He's one and done. Sure. He, he's right. he's gonna be a lottery pick. So yeah. Yeah. So you know, if he you know, after the season, if he just stop and say he just want to what um, uh, get ready for the NBA, I mean that's it. He's gonna be selected. So you know, it, it, you know that's that could be what they're netting on. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, how's JJ doing? Uh, he's doing well, Tony. He's uh, he's done a few uh, softball and baseball games already. Did a couple games this weekend and. Uh, he's uh, he's traveling all over the place right now with his other job, but uh, he's still able to uh, call a lot of these Auburn softball games, and uh, he's doing quite well. All right, yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking my call, and you all have a great evening. Absolutely, right. Tony. Have you a good too. one. That's Tony from Tuskegee joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next commercial break of the show. Back with more sports call, a best and worst of the weekend coming up after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Brand Daughtry, Tom Peavy. Show's flown by a lot to talk about today. We still did not even get to everything we could have talked about. That's why we do the show five days a week, even when things are a little less chaotic with Auburn football or some Auburn sports. But right now, of course, we know things very chaotic with basketball, women's basketball, baseball, softball. Obviously, you got both tennis sports. I said both tennis sports. Men's and women's tennis is how most people would put that. Men's and, golf. men's and women's golf, uh, both, it was awesome. both uh, highly, highly ranked. The men, I think they went dropped to second in the nation. Tough. But, yeah, darn. They dropped. <laughs> oh, dropped. Wow. Uh, but uh, Auburn, touch. Auburn was like preseason number one in men's golf. Um, I think they're still number two. Uh, women's golf also very highly rated, ranked. So uh, a lot of good stuff going on around Auburn. And if you want to be a part of it, you can be at Plainsman Park this Wednesday. Auburn taking on Florida A&M. And right now we have four tickets to the first caller at 334-887-3401. Again, 334-887-3401. can get four tickets to this Wednesday's Auburn versus Florida A&M baseball game at 6 o'clock inside of Plainsman Park. And, again, if you call in right now, if you're the first caller, you will get those four tickets for free to watch the Rattlers of Florida A&M play the Auburn Tigers at Plainsman Park. Been a lot of fun out there with all the, the home runs Auburn's been hitting and all just all the runs they're putting up overall, scoring 12 in each of the last two games against USC. And so uh, we hope you'll join the Tigers out there for that. Again, 334-887-3401 to win four tickets to Auburn and Florida A&M this Wednesday. This will be our last segment of the show, so only seven or eight minutes left. So let's now do a best and worst of the weekend. Now time for the best and worst No! 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 of the weekend. All right, best and worst of the weekend. Tom, whatever you want, best or worst first. Uh, You just look like you're ready. I am. I am ready. Let me as I get my mouth up here to the microphone. Uh, one of my best was I mentioned at the beginning of the show. I got to go fishing at Lake Eufaula, and the uh, uh, first fish I caught was a six pound, is six point seven six pound largemouth bass on a hollow. Showed us some pictures on a hollow be- on a hollow belly frog off the grass. Uh, that's a that's a big fish for bass fishing, but my actual best. I have to go with Liam McFadden Ackman. All right. He's a baseball player for Northern Kentucky. In the first inning of their game against Western Michigan over the weekend, he went two for two with two grand slams. That's in the first inning. So he had eight RBI, but he was not finished there. He went on to hit for the cycle with a triple, a double, and a single for the game. He was five for six with ten RBI. And his team won 27-4 to over Western Michigan. So a stat line that is about as bizarre as you could possibly imagine for a baseball player. Ten RBIs with two grand slams in the first inning and hit for the cycle. So good job, Liam McFadden-Ackman of Northern Kentucky. Hard to do more than that. Yeah. I know, he, he was only five of six, so he had a bat at bat that he wow. didn't do something. So Credit he could have done picture. more. Dad it. <laughs> do better, dude. <laughs> yeah. My my best at the work in, what my best, best of the, of the work weekend. What? I mean that kind of what you worked yeah, a lot I, this weekend. I was I was up here every single day. Um, That's a, we haven't gotten the worst yet. <laughs> my best of the weekend is going to be a personal favorite. Uh, MLS season started on Saturday. My beloved Atlanta United 
versus played the San Jose Earthquakes up at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where uh, got down 1-0 in the 13th minute of that game and remained that way until the 93rd minute, uh, seven minutes of stoppage time. Uh, Tiago Almada scored two goals in four minutes to win the opening game of the season, uh, both from outside the box, uh, just an incredible showing. Tiago Almada not going to be playing in the MLS for much longer, I don't think, but uh, perhaps the greatest Argentine player of all time. Who knows? We'll figure that out. Ways to go there. Uh, <laughs> someone just won the World Cup. That's that's, about it. that's, that's, for, uh, that's for all the soccer fans. Tiago Amata, best Argentine of all time. Uh, so uh, good, good for Atlanta United this weekend. I know uh, MLS started back. And, uh, again, a little different because get so used to all the other big leagues going from like an August to May calendar. So it's always kind of – it took me a long time to actually rein in on when the MLS is <laughs> eight to nine months whip. But, yes, we've started up here late February. Uh, my message of the weekend was, on a personal note, my uh, parents were in town. Uh, it was a week – it's kind of to celebrate my, my birthday just a week late. Uh, they uh, spoiled me all weekend. I ate gobs of food. Nice. Um, I am going to be – I have reserves if, if we have a lean uh, – <laughs> lean week here because i ate so much this weekend i uh, just appreciate them for uh coming down for the weekend and, and spending time with me and uh just appreciative of them all right worst of the weekend for everyone uh i, I mean my my worst is auburn basketball men's basketball women won right uh men's basketball yeah, you know, losses are losses, but I mean, when you just get beat that bad, and and like we talked about, it looked like in the second half when things started getting away from them. Um, man, I, I I hate to say that gave up, but I mean, that's really what it felt like, and and I mean, to the point that Bruce Pearl apologized to the fan base. So uh, it's a bad enough loss that Bruce Pearl had to apologize for it, and a bad enough loss that it's now put the NCAA title hopes on about the thinnest of ice. So. Uh, Definitely a worst of the weekend there. My worst of the weekend is going to be the first instance of pitch clock tomfoolery that we saw this weekend. The Atlanta Braves and the Boston Red Sox, first game of spring training. Uh, Count is 3-2. Bases are loaded in the bottom of the ninth. It's every young baseball player's dream. Full count, bases loaded, tie game. And the batter strikes out because he doesn't get set quite fast enough and that is how that game ended because you don't go into extra innings in spring training games uh, and that it was anticlimactic it was dumb it prevented the pitcher actually having to do something and, and it, it was it was bad it was really really bad you and, know the, uh, I, I I really hate the pitch clock <laughs> uh, and it's just getting started well and the thing is I I think uh, I don't like it either right Right now, I don't like it because it is affecting some games. But, you know, in college baseball, they've had the pitch clock. In minor league baseball, they've already had the pitch clock. And it's kind of gotten to the point that you don't notice it because the players get used to it, and and they just go, right now, these guys are not used to it at all. And so you're having that. And I think uh, the umpires are being very strict on that because they're trying to get the point across that this is going to be enforced and we're going to do it here in spring training. And so they're being very, very particular about it, and it doesn't matter what game is on the line or anything like that. It, this is the rule. We are going to enforce this rule to the strictest way we can possibly do it because, dadgummit, you better get used to it because this is how it's going to be. Yeah, it so, sucks. I hate that. And, yeah. <laughs> so my uh, my worst of the weekend was actually that as, as well. Okay. Um, 
it is not the rule itself because I want to see more on it. Right. Uh, because I, I want to see how it gets normalized and what it actually does the game time. There, there was this long thing, and I really don't have time to do this, but there, there, there's this long study that, that showed that the in-play time of baseball is really no different than the in-play time of football when, like, when you actually have just the total action amount. But baseball's just always been perceived as such a slow sport and I think people have got to realize that it just to more people, it's just the action can be more boring because yeah. Yeah. it just is. Uh, I mean, I'm like, I still love baseball. That's, that's not me trashing the sport, but I'm just saying it, the the per play is not as exciting as sure. the football per play. And so that time, even though the time involved or the action time is similar amongst the two sports, uh, it does not mean that the action is similar. So they're trying to speed up the action. I just want to see it play out more but my worst is just the concept that like brant said uh <laughs> full count too bases loaded game could get decided right there oh it was decided all right <laughs> it was decided by about a half a second too slow uh by the batter so uh that was my worst of the weekend really quick nightly tv guy then we'll get out of here our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide Sports Calls Nightly TV. I present by White Claw Heart Seltzer. 6 o'clock, ESPN College Basketball. North Carolina goes to Florida State. Very important bubble game for the Heels. Cannot afford a bad loss there. 6 o'clock, Women's College Basketball. Number 15, Villanova plays at Seton Hall. And then three movie picks for you tonight. 6 o'clock on Disney. It's Nomeo and Juliet. 6.15 on TNT. It's Thor Ragnarok. And 6.45, a movie that Brant has recently told me he would like to see, but he probably does not have this channel, so he will not see it tonight either. Uncut Gems, 6.45 yes. on, I think, Showtime 2. I do not have that. Because it says Show 2, which <clears throat> I know, I don't know. So I'm going to say, I'm gonna say the second Showtime. I, I thought, I don't know, whatever. The uh, Deuce. So uh, that will be at 645. I remember back in the day, we only had HBO, and that was it. Wow. And you were lucky if you had that. It was still premium back then. Uh, and that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brent, thank you so much for being on the show today. We'll see you later this week. Thank you for having me. And Tom, thank you for being on the show. Congratulations on the big bass that you caught. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll be here. And we appreciate Kevin Ives of plans and parking lot for joining us on the show today as well and of course we always appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for brant daughtry and tom peavy my name is ryan lavoy have a great monday night and we'll talk to you tomorrow